All right, here we are. Revelation 19. Please open your Bibles, Revelation 19, and please stand for reading God's Word when you find your place. We'll also be reading the first two verses of Revelation 20, just to give you a heads up. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality, and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who is seated on the throne, saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were, followed, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury, the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called out to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Reading the word, you may be seated. I'm sure you recognize there's a word in there that, that we heard quite a bit. Hallelujah. We sung, sung that song, Broken Hallelujah. It really is a beautiful song. But who here has ever said hallelujah and has no idea what it means? It's something we say and it feels good and it feels right. What does hallelujah mean? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Specifically, praise Yahweh, or the King James will say, uh, praise Jehovah. But it means praise the great I am. And so when we say hallelujah, we are saying praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah. 
You know, when we and today we're going to look at this this great moment in history. And outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is probably the greatest moment in the history of the world. You could look and maybe some of us will, will point to two other moments, but I cannot think of any other moments greater than seeing our Lord Christ returning and to put the earth in order. You know, we spoke earlier about some of the threats from other countries, especially North Korea and things like that. A day will come where you will not have to worry about North Korea or any other nation. For there will be but one nation and one king. That king is Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What makes you say hallelujah? What is that that, that brings about you? What, what is it? We're praising the Lord. We see here in Revelation that the people praise God when they see Babylon that we talked about last week, when they see the great harlot, that world system that is, has brought all kinds of blasphemies and brought people down with it and made the people worship the beast and receive the mark. We see that they say hallelujah to God when they see justice being done, when they see God's name being glorified. We say hallelujah. And we, we hear praise reports and that makes us want to say hallelujah. And we Sometimes we'll sing a song that just touches our soul just right. We want to say hallelujah because we want God to get the praise. Amen. Have you ever asked yourself, though, why does God say hallelujah? I'll remind you that when you read in scriptures, you can go back in the Old Testament with Moses. Moses leads all the people out to Mount Sinai, and God speaks to them. And What does the word say? It sounded like many rushing waters. So we read here in Revelation that from the throne, a voice that sounded like many rushing waters cries out, Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about that today. What makes God say Hallelujah? Because that is something we should be concerned about. But to, to, to set the scene here for what's going on here, I want you to imagine, I know many of us have, have read about or seen in movies the, the ancient battles that, that happened when there was, there was knights and sword play before the guns and, and, and things that we use in our world today. And whenever there was going to be a really big battle... The night before, the king would hold a huge feast and he would give a, a, a wonderful speech to get everybody's morale up. And, and the, the soldiers would spend the night with their wives because that may be the very last time they get to see them. What is happening here in Revelation? There is a grand feast and everyone is called together and a woman appears before the Lamb. And that is why God says hallelujah. God says hallelujah because the church, the bride of Christ, has made herself ready and is now presented to his son. Amen. Amen. A lot has gone into this. Mm -hmm. But I want you to know that you are why God says hallelujah. <coughs> you are why that God has sent his son. And when we, we look at everything that, it, that has happened throughout history, let's, let's rewind, rewind a few thousand years as we, we all know the story very well when Christ came down to earth to save us from our sins. We focus on that, but sometimes I think we miss out on some of the grander details of what God is doing. In a Hebrew marriage, there were a few things that had to happen. The fathers of the, the groom and the bride had to come together and agree to the marriage. And the father of the groom had to pray, pay the father of the bride a, a price, a, a dowry, a bride price for the, for the marriage to, to be agreed upon. And then they would both go and... And they, they would say vows and, and take a drink of wine from a cup that, that they, would, they would share a singular cup. And that was a, a witness to everyone that they both agreed to the vows. And unlike our, our marriages today, um, I, I know there's a few here that are engaged and getting excited, getting ready to be married. 
But if something were to happen and you guys get into a big fight, one of you could break it off and it's just over. Not so much in the Hebrew system. You were considered legally married and were allowed to partake in everything except for that that leads to childbearing. So understand that the system was a, a bit different. You couldn't just break off the marriage because everyone saw you make vows. These were not just vows between two people. These were vows between God, a man, and a woman. And, and that is the way the society looked at it. So as, as we look at the night that, that Jesus was betrayed, the Last Supper, Jesus uh, is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And during the Passover, there would have been four different cups passed around, four different times of remembrance of the Passover. And, and what was the Passover? That's when the, the wrath of God passed over the people in Egypt, or the, the Hebrews in Egypt, and they, they punished the firstborn of anyone who did not have the blood on their doorposts. And so during, during this, Jesus says a very peculiar phrase. He says, this is the new covenant in my blood. What covenant is he referring to? It's a marriage covenant. A marriage between Christ and his church. He is, he is agreeing with them that they shall be his bride. And they partake of one cup. And they agree with him that they will be his bride. And so what, what happened shortly after that? We have this scene where Jesus is speaking with Judas. And he says, go and do what you must. And what does scripture say? Right then and there, Satan enters into him. While it is still completely on Judas's sin that he betrays. Understand what happens at this point. Judas, being uh, inhabited by Satan, goes to the temple of God, speaks to the high priest and the Pharisees, and is paid a price for his slave. We don't like to think of ourselves as slaves. We like to think of ourselves as a beautiful church, a pure bride. But we're not that yet, are we? When Christ came, we were not a pure bride. The reality is we were a prostitute very similar to Babylon. We had gone our own way, gone after the false gods, and we were dirty. We, we were not the type of people a king, especially the king of all kings, the, the prince of peace would want as a bride, but he chose us. We did not choose him. He chose us. And, and so when, when Judas takes this money, he, we, we are, we are being, the, the marriage is being agreed to by the fathers. Because the high priests and the Pharisees, whether they were good or evil, they represented God. It's very similar. We have pastors in this town who are very good and godly men. And we have some who aren't such good and godly men. But by their position, they, they are representing God. Amen? Amen. And so what we, we have here is the, the payment has been agreed. And it was 30 pieces of silver. Ironically, what is 30 pieces of silver worth? It's the price of one slave. Understand how Satan viewed you. We are, Jesus tells us that, that each of us has a father. If we listen to Jesus, he says our Father is the one in heaven, God Almighty. But he says if we do not listen to his words, why won't we listen to his words? Because we are children of our Father the devil. There are only two fathers represented spiritually in Scripture. It's God or the devil. And so the devil, the Father the devil, has agreed to the price. And he's paid the price because in it, he thinks he has won. He thinks he's going to have Jesus crucified and silenced and killed forever. And he thinks he'll have no more threat to his kingdom because the Son of God will be dead. That is what Satan thinks he is winning that night. Oh, but, but it's not that easy to beat Jesus, is it? Amen. Jesus says, no one can take my life unless I give it freely. Mm -hmm. And understand, there's... There's a little bit more that has to happen here for us because 
you and I, whether whether we think we are good and godly people or whether we acknowledge that we are the, the scum and the sin of the earth, we are all sinners, every one of us. Not one of us by our own accord could go into the throne room of God and say, I deserve to be here. I am righteous. I should be in the presence of God. God will say, you are a sinner. Get out of my presence. I cannot have sin in my presence. So something has had to happen. You had to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. You have to have that blood on your doorpost. Understand, when, when Scripture talks about you being bought with a great price, it's not talking about silver coins. Mm -hmm. It is talking about the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. And that Lamb is triumphed. Amen. And it is that reason that all that God has gone through these, these many years, He's been waiting very patiently to call you in to be part of the bride. He says, now the bride has made herself ready. A day very soon will come. We, we've heard John 14 preached recently. It is one of the great chapters in all scripture. It should be read often. God makes a promise. And this is part of the, the marriage system that's going on there. After, after the, the Last Supper and the, the covenant is agreed to, Jesus says, I am going away. And this is quite unexpected to the disciples because we see Thomas here going, we do not know where you're going. How will we know the way? And he says, I am going to the Father to prepare a place for you. This is part of the marriage custom. The, the, the potential groom would go over to his father's house and he would build, he would build a house for his wife. And Brother Darren has modeled this really, really well. He literally has the house right next door to his parents' house. The, the reality is you would go and you, you would build a house and when the house was ready and had the father's approval, this is important, had the father's approval, you would go back and you get your bride, and it didn't matter if it was noon or midnight, your bride had to be ready. Mm -hmm. You, church, have to be ready. Amen. If you are not ready, you will be, you'll be like the parable of the ten virgins. The five were ready, and they had their, their oil lamps ready, burning bright, and the five were not. And they said, oh, give us some. And they said, no, we have to be ready. You go and buy some. Why they went and bought from the world, what happened? Jesus came, and he took his bride home. And he brings her into his father's house. And, the, and Revelation takes place over a, a seven-year period of time. A wedding was a, a week long in those days. There would be a great feast and great celebration, and at the very end was the presentation of the bride to the groom. And we, we can see in the, the wedding in Cana story where Jesus turns water into wine, we, we see that pageantry going on. So what we have here right now in Revelation is the bride has been presented. The church has been made ready. There's no more sin found in her. She has been made white. She's got that beautiful gown. I, I want you husbands to think about your wedding day. What it was like to see your bride coming down the aisle. Knowing how beautiful she is and that she is only for you. No other. Christ will not share his church with anyone. He is not going to share his glory with anyone. Understand why Christ came to die. It's for you. It's for the church. And understand that why God is so pleased now. For Satan and all his traps couldn't undo what God has done. He could not stop the bride from becoming the bride of the Lamb. Amen. And this is the part that gets many of us excited after this. And, and we see the, the elders around the throne saying hallelujah. We say God Almighty saying hallelujah for the bride has made herself ready. Saying son, your bride is ready. We see a spiritual consummation of the marriage. And then what happens? Just like the, the feast I was telling you about the, where the warriors would go out to battle. The feast is now over. The time is now complete. The period of grace is done on earth. So what do we see with Jesus? We see Jesus gets up on a white horse. 
is called faithful and true. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. It says so on his thigh. In case somebody wants to tell you that Jesus has come back, you know, the gospel gives us very clear indications when Jesus will come back. If you do not see Jesus coming down on a white horse in the sky, do not believe it. Because that is how the Bible tells you he will come back. Mm -hmm. But there's even better news than that. For when he comes back, as he gets on that white horse, his bride gets to ride right next to him. Amen. Amen. And the holy angels right, right behind them. And understand why he's coming back. To do away with, with all those who are blaspheming his name. To set up his kingdom. To reign in the millennium. And as brothers and sisters, we are promised to be able to reign with him. Amen. As his bride. So I want you to think about all the pain. And, and sometimes as brothers and sisters, we get on each other's nerves and we sin against each other. That will all be gone, all be forgotten about. Amen. As the hymn we were singing earlier said, just one glimpse. You will not consider the toils of this life. Mm -hmm. Not at all. But Christ will ride out and he will see his enemy. He will see the beast, the Antichrist. He will see the false prophet. And what, what does scripture declare about this? It declares that, that Jesus will open his mouth, which is described as a double-edged sword. It is the very word of God. And he will strike them both down. And they will be cast alive into the lake of fire. This is a word for hell. These are the people who have done false, false miracles, deceiving many, leading them away from God to worship Satan. And they will be dealt with swiftly. And there will be many other armies that are gathered together to fight against God, to fight against Christ on that white horse. is not a good idea. There's one brother here who shared with us on a Wednesday night. It's, it is not smart to be facing down the, the, the bridle of the horse. You'd much rather be behind the horse, on the horse's side, because the rider of that white horse, understand, he spoke you into existence, and Amen. he can speak you right out of existence. Amen. And quite clearly, that's what Revelation talks about. We'll be riding on white horses, but it never says you get a sword. Because mm -mm. you ain't going to need a sword. Because nope. with one word, it's over. It says all those who have taken the mark, all those who have blasphemed God, they will be dealt with right away. And it speaks of an angel that cries out to the, to the birds of the air, Come and feast. We'll get into that more next week. But there will be a 75-day interlude between the coming of Christ and the setup of the new millennium. Most of that will be because of cleanup. It's grotesque to think about, but the reality is millions upon millions of people will be gathered to war against God, and they will all die. It's, it's not easy, it's not fun for us to think about. But this was prophesied long ago. I'm going to read to you a, a passage from Joel chapter 9. Proclaim this among the nations, consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. We often misquote that passage, don't we? It's a passage about God's enemies. <coughs> Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Notice how it said, bring down. If they're down, that means they were up. This is speaking of heaven. Let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the har harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. 
The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion, and utters his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. <coughs> you see here, we, we often will talk about, we, we have whole movies that picture what the battle of Armageddon will look like. It's not much of a battle at all, really. But how could it ever be when it's God versus anyone else? I want us to, to think about what, what it meant that Christ has come to die for us. Are we as a church, are we ready? Amen. Have we made ourselves ready? As individual people, have we made ourselves ready? As families, are we ready for the return of our Lord? Amen. I got one amen. That's not good, guys. We got to be ready. I want to read to you again verse 21. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. I want, I want us to under, understand that Christ is in control always. Amen. Satan likes to roar, uh, go around as a roaring lion, we read in Scripture. He likes to <coughs> cause problems in our family, in our church, to divide us. Mm -hmm. But understand, God is in control. Amen. Always has been, always will be. And a day is coming where Satan will be dealt with. Amen. I read verses 1 and 2 because I, I wanted us to be clear that this battle is swift. And at some point in time, we, there, there were uh, monks that divided up the scriptures into chapters. When, when John wrote this, he did not write it in chapters. He wrote it out as God gave it to him. And so when we read verses 1 and 2, what happens? Satan is bound for a thousand years in the pit. We, we saw this pit earlier in Revelation when the, where, um, the, the, demon, the demons were allowed to come out and torment the people for for seven months. They were they were like the locusts. We, this is the pit the, the demons are afraid of because it is complete darkness. They have no power there. And so for a thousand years, Satan will have no power. And we'll talk about why just a thousand. I know everybody's like, well, why is he not in hell already? There is a, a purpose and a plan for that, and we'll get into that when we get to the uh, millennial reign of Christ. But as, as we think about it, and when we reflect on the, the passion of Christ where he takes up the cross... I want, I want you to understand why Jesus embraces his cross. The other criminals, they mock him for doing it. But I want you to see he's not embracing a piece of wood. He's embracing you. He's embracing his bride. For he knows all the pain that he has gone through will be worth it. For you will be redeemed. You will be saved. So as we close today, I want you to, to leave with three things. <clears throat> I want you to know that Satan and all evil will be defeated. Amen. Not, not a single single evil person in this world will not be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Justice will be dealt out. All those wrongs will be made right. Those tears will be dried up. Understand and know that completely. So even the hard times that we have now, understand that when we get to paradise, it's really not going to matter. Amen. Because we will be with our Lord, our God, and all those who are part of the bride. Amen. Understand that you are the hallelujah of God. Mm -hmm. And I'll add a, a 2A here, because many people ask me, can the people in heaven look down and see what's going on here? And Revelation, the answer is yes. Revelation says we look down and we see Babylon burning and we say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's what Revelation says. So I'll let you deal with it. I'll let you deal with it, another, it how you want to, but that is what Revelation says. And number three. We must be ready for the coming of Christ as individuals, families, and a church. Amen. Christ is coming. Amen. The reason we, we get nervous, we see the news and everything that's going on, 
all the signs you need for the rapture to happen, they're already done. Mm -hmm. I told you many times the rapture could have happened in John's day. There's nothing that has to happen for, for Jesus to come to take his bride to be with him. Many of us, we kind of go on life and say, well, I, I could do that later. You know, I could do the religious thing. I could get right with God later. For many of you, you will not have a later. And I encourage you to search out your heart. Are you ready for him to return? Amen. I know we all here have an intellectual knowledge of who God is, but do you know it in your heart? Amen. More importantly, does God know you? Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, when, when we get to heaven and we're standing before the throne, Jesus doesn't say, get away from me, you never knew me. He says, I never knew you. Right. Make sure God knows who you are. We have to be ready as a church. We have to be united. We have to be seeking the kingdom of God as a church. And we, we've been through a lot as a church. So our dearly beloved Papa Tom's gone home and he's in glory. Mm -hmm. We praise God for that. For that we say hallelujah. But we also, I look out to the men here. God is going to raise one of you up to be a deacon. You have to make sure you're living like a deacon. Understand clearly that God wants us to be united and he wants to raise up leaders. But we must be willing to be those leaders. For the, 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 I've said it before, but you know, for me and myself, you know, God may call me away one day. Or God may call me home. This church is not going to stand or fall on me. It's going to stand or fall on Christ. Amen. And he's calling out to many of you to stand up. I got a brother back there who's going to preach next month on a Sunday evening. Because God's calling him. He's scared. Amen. And he should be. Mm -hmm. but whatever God is calling you to, to do, to stand up, to, to do what God is calling you to do, don't sit on your hands any longer. Now is the time, because you may not have next year, not because God's going to call you home, but because Christ is going to return. Mm -hmm. Understand that clearly, that you've been called to do the, the work that God has given you to do now, not later, not 100 years from now, not 10 years from now. Because God hasn't promised you that. He says he knows the hairs on your head and he knows the very hour you're going to be called home. I pray you're called home. Some of us, he knows the very hour, but it won't be home you're going to. Understand that clearly. I want you to be ready. I want you to experience this week the grace of God while it's to be had. Because when Christ returns and he's on that white horse, those that are looking up at him will not be glad to see him. And he, he will not be glad to see them. They will receive his full wrath. There's a reason it's called the, the wine press of the wrath of God. That is not an easy term to grasp with, but, but God's justice, God's love also deals with wrath. If somebody were to mock your child or mock your family, you'd want justice done. If they were to hurt your family, you'd want justice done. Amen? Mm -hmm. So do not expect the God of the universe not to seek justice when... His bride has been mocked for 2,000 years. The church has been mocked. The son has been mocked. Mm -hmm. The son is coming. Amen. His bride's coming with him. Amen. Amen. And the son, he's got a rather large sword, so I won't want to mess with him. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for the assurance and hope and promise that you are coming again, Lord. And that we get to be part of your bride if we humble ourselves. If we seek your face, Lord. If we bow the knee. 
If there's anyone here, Lord, who does not know you, who, who you do not know, Lord, who has not confessed to you as Lord, allow them to come down and bend the knee now while there is time to do so willingly. And if there's any here, Lord, who is who is strayed a bit and needs to confess their sins to you, Lord, the, the altar is open to them. Be with us, Lord. Let your spirit guide us. Let, let us sing this song of praise to you and that, let us, as the end of this day comes to a close, let us say hallelujah to you, Lord God. In your holy name.